0: Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson and I'm joined today by my co-host Jim Good. How's it going, Jim?
1: Bang, bang. Going good, Chad. How are you, buddy?
0: Good, man. I uh you were just uh got to go on a on an awesome, exciting overseas trip. Can you tell us where were you at and what did you guys do?
1: Man, I did. Thanks for asking. Uh Awesome privilege opportunity. Spend five days in Panama City. And that's not Panama City, Florida. It was Panama City, Panama. And we uh, partnered up with SCORE International as we had uh, a few of our staff members with nations of coaches um, conducting basketball clinics for the kids in the evening, um, basketball clinics for the coaches. And Chad, it was an unbelievable experience to be over there. Anytime you get to leave the country and experience another culture and uh, man, learning that, you know, sports are a universal language and that was our platform, basketball to ultimately share Christ. So incredible experience, always good to come home, but thanks for asking. And uh, you were on the road as well, weren't you?
0: Yeah, no, I love it. The universal language of sports is so, so true, man. You meet somebody uh, anywhere and you just start talking about sports. Um, and yeah, for me, We've been able to, to go to New Orleans to a World Tennis Conference, uh, speak at some colleges and travel, uh, speak at a church for missions conference, and so uh, yeah, it's been a blessing here with athletes in Action Tennis to try to start uh, spread the word on on who we are and what we're about. But um, nice. um yeah, today let's uh just with today's guest, uh, we're 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 calling this. Uh, we don't want to play favorites, but he is in the top two <laughs> all time uh, greatest accent that we've had on the podcast. Uh, you guys are just gonna fall in love with Stephen Payne's accent, his voice. Um, but he's he's coming from South Africa and man his bio, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, but he was a NCAA all freshman team down at Columbus State, a high profile Division two program in Georgia. Uh, he got into the coaching ranks at the same college that I coached at Point University in Georgia. Um, man, and he uh, he just set the bar so high. He he had six years at point, um, culminating into a number one NAIA ranking uh, in 2020. Um, and and he kind of shares the story on that transition leaving point, And he had an amazing opportunity to go coach in the SEC at Mississippi State. Um, and just most recently this fall, he stepped up uh, into the head coaching ranks again um, as the director of golf headman's coach at Augusta University Um, and so man that uh, that bio is is huge already for a young coach and you can hear from this interview he's a culture builder a relationship builder and his heart is for Christ Uh, but Jim you got anything to highlight on this one
1: well, great conversation uh, with Coach Payne. Enjoyed hearing his testimony, his philosophy. I, I loved how he just, he prefaced, uh, keep it simple, you know, as As a coach, as a believer, you know, loving God, uh, loving people, serving God, serving people. Uh, so I enjoyed that simplicity. Uh, enjoyed his um thoughts and perspective on recruiting as he was at Point, um, recruiting um, maybe some more international students and just developing that relationship, that that trust factor. Um, And you'll hear the importance of, you know, recruiting for the program and not just being a used car salesman, but developing that trust. And and then like you said, I think the last thing that hit me was just that culture building uh, hearing term. Uh, branding, um, you know, with just uh, who you are, um, what your core values are. So thanks for taking the time to uh, be uh, listening to Stephen Payne on this podcast. I know you'll enjoy it. Remember our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. Enjoy Coach Payne.
0: Coach Stephen Payne, uh, it's so good to uh, have you on the Christian Coach Podcast and I was able to just rub shoulders with you down at Point for a few years and just watch your your success uh, in sport, but more importantly, how you loved and served your, your student-athletes. I so just wanted to get you on this podcast, but uh, we don't like to waste time here. Uh, just first question we love to ask is just what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach?
2: Yeah, thanks, Chad. Appreciate you having me on. Good to see you again. Like I said, we we worked together down at Point for a while. Um, and you know, that's kind of where I got my footing in coaching was at Point and uh, which kind of ties in with your question a little bit. And uh, you know, at the time I really didn't realize how how great opportunity it was to be able to start out at a Christian school and and to be a Christian coach. And and I'm I'm thankful for that time to be able to, you know, kind of practice as a coach, but also um grow my faith. And um to me, yeah, just personally as as it relates to to what we do, I think it's just loving God, serving God and then serving people, right? And uh I think, you know, the world that we are we're in with sports and stuff it's a great platform and a great opportunity um to be able to to walk alongside the young men that we coach i'm you know coaching college golf now so to be able to you know have that crew of guys you got 10 12 guys every year um and and that changes every year and to be able to to love and serve those guys so for me it's kind of that simple um i don't know if that's kind of the answer but uh yeah to walk alongside those guys serve those guys and then make sure you're taking care of your relationship with God uh, yeah. individually as well.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think uh, I think just keeping things simple is, is so good and just love God, love people. It's uh, a great response. And just uh, diving into your journey, can you uh, just growing up in South Africa, um, I've never been, uh, can you just paint a picture for us on, on what it was like growing up in South Africa? Um, and then how did you end up getting over here to the States?
2: Yeah, so South Africa, man, it's it's an interesting place. If you've never been, it's it's almost like you have to kind of go to experience it. It's it's so unique because a lot of people they have this picture of Africa in their mind, you know. Yeah. And when, when I came over to the states and a lot of my friends, you you get some pretty wild questions people ask you. But you know, it's people have kind of this picture in their mind. But the unique thing about South Africa is it's it's uh, you know some parts of the country are extremely developed. So you go into some of our cities and. You, you feel like you're in London or you feel like you're in New York city and it, it's that, you know, it's awesome. But then you drive five, 10 minutes away and you feel like you're in, you know, kind of the the slums and it's some of the worst poverty you you kind of ever seen. And it's, it's a very interesting parallel, how both those things kind of, they work together. I don't know. It's uh, There's kind of a few sayings we have back home, just kind of like how, you know, it's just Africa. It's things just kind of happen and they operate. And, uh, you know, there are some things that we were privileged to have growing up and, definitely things that we uh, try not to take for granted because you you see things right there, you know, and then moving over to the States as well. It's like, man, we, we have things really, really good here. I know you mentioned you just got back from India and it's like, sometimes it's kind of hard coming back to a place like this where we're, we're so spoiled, you know, but so South Africa, man, strange dynamic where you have that, you know, first world and third world mentality living right on top of each other. Um, Mm. If anyone listening hasn't been like, you, you really have to go. It's an unbelievable place. It's a, it's a really cool dynamic. Um, and, and then, yeah, so through that, I grew up playing golf over there. Golf's pretty big, um, tennis, big sport as well in South Africa. Um, and, you know, I had the opportunity to come over to the States. My coach is, uh, Mark Elliman, who, uh, he was the, the men's golf coach at Columbus state university. He was a South African guy. Um, and he brought a bunch of us over here He had like, it was kind of his, you know, link, To success and he had I think at the time we had about five or six guys on the team from South Africa Um, and you know back in the day with you know before internet and all that kind of stuff those if you knew someone those kind of you could trust it was a big deal being able to to kind of invest in that so for us it was a bit of a no-brainer and that's really how I got over to the States and how my journey started over here Um, so I came on a golf scholarship in 2008 like I said to Columbus State University
0: which is in Columbus Georgia. Awesome. And just curious for your, for your faith background, was, was uh, Christianity a part of your upbringing or did you find Christ later? It's,
2: I would almost compare it like it's similar to the, to the South, to the South in America where it's like, especially in the, uh, like the Afrikaans uh, culture. Um, I'm not Afrikaans, but like kind of the where we lived, it was, it was more like that. And so you kind of grow up quote unquote, like a Christian, everybody goes to church. And I would say for the most part, it is, it's kind of like America where, they, where we claim to be a Christian country, I would say. So very normal um, in South Africa for people to you know, claim Christianity, to go to church growing up. So I did grow up in that background. And then, you know, my whole life um, I was surrounded by that. And then I would say uh, around about the age of 18 is kind of when for me personally, when it kind of became more my own journey. And then you know, over the past 18 years or so, it's just a lot of kind of stretching my own faith and, and growing on my own um, so pretty, pretty normal story, I guess you'd say, like for um, people in this country as well.
0: Yeah. And and when you came as an international, was there a, a culture shock uh, coming there to, to Columbus State? Um, or was that a easy transition for you uh, to come to the U.S.?
2: Yeah, it was pretty easy. Like I said, South Africa is very westernized. You know, we have like English is our first language. We get all the same movies. We get all the same music. So. And like, we, we watch all the golf on the TV, we see the tennis stuff, you know, so for us, it it was pretty normal, but I mean, the main thing was, it was, it was cool to be able to like experience that stuff up close and personal, you know, like the first time I went to the masters or, you know, like going to these big music concerts stuff, you, so you were familiar with it, but you weren't really able to experience it as much. Um, So, and then I had uh, one of my best friends had been here for two years. So, you know, I kind of, I I was spoiled to kind of slot right in because I know some other guys, international people might come over to a a school and they don't know anyone and that that's a tough transition you know so i was a little spoiled in that area and that's kind of been part of what i've tried to achieve as a coach as well create that um i'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later but like create that culture and that that comfortable environment um if you are recruiting international guys um so if they come over they, they do have that you know comfort and i know that's something you did really well at point university um because that, that can be a tough transition for young guys you know and girls
0: yeah 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 and just um as you became a head coach there at point and trying to build that team culture, uh, a family-like feel, making the internationals feel welcome. Um, can you think back? Were there was there one or two things that you did, you know, and you're you one, two and three before you end up winning that that first conference championship in, in 2017? Cause as I reflect too, is like people just see how you guys reach number one in the country there at point, but maybe they didn't see some of that grind and that hustle and and some of the foundations that you did build. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff, you know, when I started there, I was,
2: I think we're both pretty young when we started. I was like 26. So, I mean, you know, both our former boss, Alan Wilson, great guy. He, you know, I'm forever grateful to Coach Wilson. He, He took a flyer on me when no one else really was. And uh, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be coaching today, to be honest. So I'm super thankful to him and Point University. And honestly, there's a lot of things I probably had no idea what I was doing, and uh, it was just kind of like learning as I went. So there was a few things the first few years where I just kind of like fell into, you know. But yeah. the one the one the couple of things I think which later on like paved success for us was was just that culture that we were able to build. And I think that go around at Point, I was kind of. Uh, I was almost lucky in a sense I got some uh, had a couple of really good international players that kind of fell into my lap and they came from a system where team was big culture was big and they they really helped me build that um, almost like by by chance and it was something I look back now I'm like wow that was that was really cool so um, obviously having good players helps I mean everybody knows that but also Having that, uh, that culture and having that, that tight-knit group, obviously, was was very um, paramount to our success as well.
0: Yeah. And and I, uh, yeah, similar story. I was 26 as well. Coach Wilson took a risk on me with no head coaching experience to get that first yeah. head coaching job and forever grateful. And, and I feel the same that I inherited a few, like, leaders that, yeah. that helped so much early on. Or it wasn't just Chad trying to push the culture in the program, but these guys were bought in and loved it so much. Um, but after that, you, you did recruit some phenomenal players, uh, a few South Africans, I believe, but, um, just in the recruiting world, um, what, uh, what were some keys for you in and trying to recruit strong and, uh, bring these talented players in, uh, to, to your university? Yeah, I think that
2: the, uh, you know, I'm a big, big believer in relationships, big believer in, you know, trust. I think that's important being genuine. I think people can kind of a lot of kids can kind of see through when people are just like trying to sell them on on themselves as a player, you know. So, you know, there's there's been a lot of instances where I've helped kids from like being from South Africa. There's there's been some people who've asked for advice or you know guidance, and you know, just to be honest, like when we were at Point, there would sometimes be kids that were more of like a D1 kind of player. So, I would provide guidance, and I think it's just important to to give people an, an honest opinion. Um, sure. And I, I think building that relationship throughout the recruiting process is is very important, um, especially when you do it and then you, you have success. Cause that word gets back, you know, like if you're just a used car salesman, kind of like after a while, people kind of figure that out. And then, you know, in, in friend groups and circles, you, you lose your credibility. So I think early on we had some players and we, we kind of had some success with obviously, some guys from South Africa, um, and then kind of word just gets out there, you know. So people, like I said, when people are sending their kids thousands of miles away, like it's it's good to be able to have that um, that credibility because you know a mom sitting in wherever it might be in England or South Africa, if, if they've if they've seen their child or their friends, you know, have a have a good experience, they're going to want to go to a place where that experience was. Um, and obviously, we, we we did recruit some um, American guys, but as you know, like the model at the NAI level, it's just Uh, I always used to joke, and a lot of kids grow up saying, Man, I want to go play NIA golf, you know, like in the States. So, whereas a lot of international people, uh, they kind of, myself included when I was young, you just want to get over to the States, you know. Um, So, any way you can get over. um, And that's not, I'm not discrediting anything for like some of the, you know, American guys we did have. We had some great players actually. So yeah, that was, that was for me, just the relationship side of it and and the trust side of it, just building those relationships. And there were guys that we wanted to get that we didn't end up getting and, you know, we wished them well and and hope they had great careers. And then, you know, there's some guys, really good players that we ended up getting as well. And um, so it it works both ways. But I think if you do the right thing, you know, over time you're going to, you're going to build that, that kind of that barn of players who who buy into what you're trying to do and who trust what you're doing. Because as you know, like these guys, these days, especially like with this younger generation now, like if, if, if you can develop trust with them, then that's going to go a long way in your coaching style with them as well. Like if they know that you genuinely care about them, that, um, that you love them, that's when they're going to really buy into what it is that you're trying to do. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. Um, I feel like it's like the difference between building a really good team and building a really good program, you know, like yeah. you could, you could do car salesman stuff and, and attract a couple of talented players, but that long-term building trust with some agents and people from countries, uh, it definitely will, we'll come back around and just for you uh, having an individual sport like golf, um, you've talked about team culture and, and buy-in and, and getting guys to, to play for the team, but is there a, a tip or two that that you give on how do you make an individual sport like, like tennis golf? So, I mean, um, how do you make an individual sport more of a, a team and get that, that team culture and that buy-in?
2: Yeah, it's kind of tough, you know, like you said, because, those are two sports where it's it's so individual where you're coming in like you just played mostly individually your whole life and that is one thing where again a lot of international guys is good because they play a lot more team stuff than over here in the states but you know ultimately we it's, it's something we still wrestle with today but I think a kind of a healthy balance of both but at the end of the day like if someone if someone's going to have success individually they're going to kind of help the team on the on the team front as well you know so we try cater to their individual needs, but at the same time, like I love working with, you know, I've worked with some guys in the past who just like, they, they care more about the needs of the team than they do of their own. And those are the kind of players that I I still look for to this day. Um, guys that aren't obsessed with their own world rankings and guys that, you know, they, they put the team before them. Um, there may be a situation where it might have to take on a risk to help the team, but it could hurt them individually. And I just love the guys that are like, Oh, I'm going, you know, I'm going for it. I'm trying to help the team. And so trying to find those guys still to this day is great. Um, it's, it's interesting doing, you know, personality, looking into people's personalities and stuff in the recruiting process because that, that stuff is obviously pretty big, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that you know, that's something we look for in the recruiting process. But also if you set up that initial culture early, um, have those guidelines and have that structure, it helps guys kind of um, buy into that from, from the beginning. Uh, so I think that is very, very important.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, I loved uh, I feel like our team's kind of um, golf and tennis there at point. They kind of uh, were side by side. They hang out with each yeah. other and, and got to know each other. And I can attest, man, you did a great, great job building the team culture and making those guys want to be there and play for the school. And um, I'm, I'm just thinking through just something that's like so important in life and in coaching is just decision making. And uh And just one moment i I wanted to kind of pick into that that some people might not know but uh point you 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 raised them up to number one in the naia Uh, phenomenal players these are d1 caliber players playing for you and um and then that the decision for you to leave point uh, um mid-year and and go to mississippi state um i was just just curious uh as you reflect on that uh, a couple years later um how was that decision for you and your family um and and what was that process like to decide to to leave um, a possible national championship team
2: yeah it was tough it was uh you know it was like i said i've been there for six and a half years and you know one of the things though that you kind of one of the things you try to build up to have a success in a place like that is to uh to be able to maybe jump to the next level and that was kind of um something we also chat about like that it's it's a tough wrestle where like you're you know your calling as a coach but also your like desire inside to to want to win and be successful at the highest level you know so it's like yeah something I still kind of wrestle with this to this to this day but I, I believe that's kind of the way God made me and created me like I, I want to you know I, I don't want, I don't think I should feel guilty about wanting to have success and, and do well um, but yeah so when the opportunity came I think you know from the from the golf side like it was obviously a for me i wanted to jump on board but obviously for my family as well it was something we had to pray about and think about and at the time it, it made sense the move was pretty tricky because it was mid-year so um you know moving you know in like a shorter time gap moving on we had at that time we had two kids but um yeah it was it was a good transition and i was there for uh, the past year and a half two years so um it, it it was like i said it definitely had its challenges like from a family standpoint but, you know, sometimes you got to go ahead and make those um, choices and sacrifices because I knew if, if ultimately what I wanted to achieve to be a Division One head coach, it was a step that was necessary. And then, you know, sure. working at a place like Mississippi State was, was a really, really special, unbelievable environment. My boss there, uh, Dusty Smith, um, a believer as well. So that was something, you know, working for a guy who had like a, a family mindset and I knew I was stepping into something good. Um, there were... You know, I didn't want to be too picky, but there were very few positions I probably would have gone into just because of the lifestyle of it and, and whatnot. And Dusty was a guy like I just I knew he did it the right way and I knew he was a family guy. So cool. I knew it was a situation that would be you know beneficial to my career, but also still being able to support my family and whatnot. So th- those were kind of the things we prayed about and I felt like they slotted into place. So extremely grateful for my time in Mississippi State and, and for working for Dusty. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I know we we all were so proud of you, you know, um they're at points and uh, Coach Wilson, our that for you to get to that, that level was was super exciting. Uh, we were proud. Um, and just while you were there, being at a bigger public university, going from a small Christian school to a big public school, um, was it more challenging uh, to live out your faith in Jesus uh, there at a big public uh, university?
2: It was, um, yeah, it was different for sure. I mean, point, we kind of, you know, like I said, that was all I knew from the first, first go around. And, uh, point was you could, you know, from a faith standpoint, you could kind of do whatever you want. You know, we used to have, uh, you know, small groups once a week with the team. And it was kind of, I mean, it wasn't, I say mandatory. We weren't like pushing stuff on people, but it was like, you could, you could tell guys, like, we're going to have this meeting, you know, whereas obviously coming to larger secular school, there's, you know, how things are in this day and age. You have to kind of be careful with, with certain things. Um, so it, it was different in that standpoint but we had a we had a pretty um the the group of guys we had you know tight-knit uh group of guys great culture as well and uh so I, I never felt any like tension um on that standpoint and uh, you know as I talked about earlier like my style is kind of just loving God loving people and I think that um just taking that mindset of just you know serving these guys and I, I also went from a head coaching role to assistant coaching role which was that was pretty different, you know, like you, you go from kind of running the show and making the decisions mm-hmm. um, when you have a family and stuff as well, it's different to kind of being the guy who's making the decisions to being the guy who's, you know, like second in command. But again, that's where my boss was great. Like he, you know, he, he obviously helped me a lot with that and, and took my family into consideration with things. So that helped, but you know, that I just took that role. It's like, my job is here to like serve these guys. And, and I just want to, show them live out my faith in that way serve these guys and and that's how I was going to do it so um it was different in the sense like yeah we didn't have those those meetings and maybe like you know the convocations and things like that at point but also kind of showed me like you know your your faith life is a lot of it is kind of how you live it out you know like how you how you walk personally so um I saw it kind of from a different angle but yes it definitely was um different. There were some things we took for granted at point that we were able to do and, think, you know, experiences we had, um, you know, just even like coach Wilson praying before coaches meetings and stuff like that. So um, those are things, yeah, I definitely missed more. Um, so it, it is interesting to see things from both sides of the aisle.
0: Mm-hmm. I love what you said just about how you live it out and how you walk. And and I'm sure um, those players up, uh, at the Mississippi state saw, saw your faith and how you loved and how you served and, Um, yeah really really beautiful and and I think that's all we've a lot of past stuff but just getting to to current times um, you just got a a new head coaching job at Augusta um, and just super excited for that but can you just share what are some lessons that you take from your time at Point from your time at Mississippi State and now you get a second chance to to lead and and build this program Um, what are you looking to do here in the in the first few weeks and months um, things that you've learned in the past that now you want to apply here in this new position?
2: Yeah, I think I was pretty fortunate. You know, I played Division II golf at Columbus State, then I coached NAIA golf as a head coach, and then I went to the SEC and was an assistant coach. So I think that's something that actually helped me get this job was having all those different experiences and then definitely having head coaching experience as well because you know, a lot of guys that are being promoted into these head coaching roles are guys that have just been lifetime assistants. So I do feel like, I'm kind of a little bit ahead of the, the curve in that that standpoint, you know, the learning curve. Um, like I said, when I was 26, I was kind of deer in headlights when I took over there at, at points. So they are, you know, the main thing, I think we talked about that culture, how I kind of, you know, fell into that and got a little fortunate the first time um, a close friend of both of ours is a guy named Phil Shomo. He, he's, he started a business about two years ago in, in the golf space, mental skills coaching, and he's just done a phenomenal job. And, Man, he's, he's got this like herd of players now, uh, a lot of them in the, in the Georgia area. And one of the other things Phil's uh, done is in his past is culture training, like corporate culture training and, and whatnot. And he actually helped us this past two years at Mississippi State working on that. Um, it was something that wasn't quite in place and, and we saw the need and he helped us. So him and I have been talking a lot this summer and, and that's one of the things I want to make sure from day one is in place. Um, I think if, if you have a structure set in place from day one, it's easier for people to understand the, the 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 standard for the program and what they need to do, and the buy-in. Whereas if you introduce something a little bit later and it's been done one way for a while and then you change it, it it's kind of tough, you know. So implementing and being intentional about that culture, um, you know, when I talk about culture, it's things like the the standard we have for the team, like what are the expectations we have for you, um, what are the you know, what does it mean to be a good teammate, um, you know, all all those kinds of things. I follow a lot of the the same people you do on Twitter. and It's just kind of like. How to build that 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 strong culture, you know, and a lot of it comes from love. A lot of it comes from serving. A lot of it comes from being a good teammate. Um, a lot of it comes from having that buy-in. And I just I'm a big believer that culture wins. If you have, I, I would rather take ten guys who maybe not as talented, but they're they're all in, they're team guys, than maybe ten individual you know guys who are just maybe more talented, but they're just kind of on it on their own. So very important for for me and for us to to build that early on. So. That's a lot of what I'm going to be doing over the summer, uh, kind of the training, making sure we have those things in place uh, so we can hit the ground running with that.
0: So good. And have you or Phil talked yet about um, as you're coming up with some some of these standards and and expectations on on how do you present that to the team? How do you how do you communicate that to the team Um, so that they can they can start understanding? Hey, here's my new head coach. This is what he wants from me.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of his area of expertise. Like I said, last year, it was pretty cool to do it at Mississippi State. We, we rolled this idea up last year and we had this, you know, a lot of branding. We had this kind of like team phrase. It, it was toughness with each each uh, um, letter representing something, you know, like the T was for team and then all the way throughout um, having those those letters stand for something. And, and Phil was big on us, kind of like branding it throughout the building. So we had posters and boards and the guys had like uh like helmet stickers they can get on their bags if they you know exemplify being a good teammate or, or those things throughout and you know some of the stuff that kind of sounds a little cheesy but at the end of the day like you know phil he was he's was a big believer like if you see the same thing over and over and over and over eventually guys start using that language and then you know he told us at the beginning you know you know you got the guys when they start using your language and and it was funny like you know we'd be doing small things like playing flag football or go bowling and, and guys would start using like some of our terminology that we're You know, was that was built into our culture. So it was, it was fun to see that. And then by the end of the year, like man, the the guys were were thriving. You know, and a lot of it came from was the idea of like, how do you how do these programs? A lot of these programs, you know, they're, they're mediocre throughout the year, but they always seem to show up. There's just some of these teams in every sport, like when when it matters the most, they show up. You know, and then you have these other teams that kind of they're always hot like in in the beginning of the year or the middle of the year, and then they just kind of wither at the at the end of the year. And and we learned like through that culture about having, you know, resilience, being resilient, being, being mentally tough. And those were things that were part of our culture and, and uh, it really showed. And, you know, we, we were able to set a goal last year and, and, and uh, make history of, we made the the top eight. It's the match play in golf at the SEC tournament. It was the first time we'd ever done that in program history. And we played the, the number one team in the country at the time, Vanderbilt in the first round and, and we took him to extra holes and uh, it was, it was a pretty sweet moment. We, we ended up losing, but so Ruon Pretorius, the kid that played for me at Point University and he came over to Mississippi state. And uh, I walked that whole match with Ruon in, in that, in that sec championship. And uh, he went to the 19th hole extra holes. Unfortunately he didn't win, but I mean, he, he lost to a, an all American on the 19th hole. So it was cool to see these things that we put in place in like July and watch them kind of develop, you know, throughout the fall, throughout the spring. And then, man, like one of our phrases was better at the end. And mm-hmm. we most certainly were better at the end when it came to the championship season and, and you know, uh, achieving a team goal like that that we set out at the beginning and being able to make a bit of history. And yeah, I'd be on the, on the lookout for that program next year. They're, they're, you know, that that was the one thing that was really hard to leave. Cause I know that that program's on the app and they're about to do some really special things. Um, Ruan's got one more year there. So I'm excited to watch him finish it out as well. He's a kid that's kind of close to my heart as I, Coached him all the way from the beginning at point. So yeah. Oh,
0: that's so cool. That's so cool, and uh, just a beautiful picture to think about. Um, the mentor of Phil, uh, he's one of the greatest uh, one-on-one mentors that, that I've been able to sit down at a at a table with, and and for him to be um, speaking these things and and coaching you up, and then for you to be coaching down to uh your student athletes and just something i know that's so important we're talking about like standards and disciplines and um these things that we keep repeating but just with daily disciplines uh, we know that for you to be pouring out in your home in the community into your team it's just so important to be uh being poured into but i'm just curious if there's any any things that you just like cling to uh as part of your daily or or weekly rhythms uh or with mentors uh, just things that you think are just so important for you to stay strong spiritually yeah that
2: most certainly I think you know it's probably one of my biggest areas of struggle i'm not a i've never been a big reader it's it's really you know I think some people it's just more natural to to want to read and I, I that's something I've struggled with so i have uh i don't want you know i'm, I'm by no means perfect I have in, a lot of intentions that you know often fall to the wayside but you know I feel like when i'm when I'm doing my best obviously it's when i'm when I'm in the word um you know I'm not going to say daily but as much much as I possibly can I have the bible app on my phone which i Every night before I go to bed, read some. Um, and then, you know, connecting with mentors. Like I said, Phil most certainly is probably my, my biggest mentor. When I was there at Point early on, we would, you know, we both weren't as busy. We would meet kind of weekly and chat. And we're a little busier now, but we still, I mean, we text pretty much daily. So having people like that, uh, there's an, a college golf ministry called CGF, it's a college golf fellowship. And one of my best friends, a guy named Nori Stain, he works for them. Uh, if there's any, college golf kids listen to this or high school kids that's a ministry I would most certainly recommend getting plugged into really really great um, and they they just live it out and they, they come to on campuses and they come to tournaments and they, they just you know surround these guys and love them so yeah I'd say Nori and Phil are like two guys who kind of mentor me that I, I try to stay close to as much as possible and then just yeah like I said daily disciplines of prayer and reading and uh, I've got three young kids now as well so trying to you know show them kind of the way. Um, so I know you've got, got a crew there as well. So it's important to live that out and to show it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's so good. And kind of where we started at, was just talking about the simplicity, like love God, and love people. And, um, I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, just with reading little kids books or little kids Bibles, like um, oh, yeah. just kind of simplifying things back, back down and not, not overcomplicating things, but, um, this has been so good. Just reconnect and hear what's been new with you. And, uh, just a big fan, of you, Coach Payne. And, uh, but just, is there anything that we can be praying for, for you or, or Brittany or your family with?
2: Yeah, I'd say the one thing, you know, we're in this transition now of, of uh, moving, just got some new jobs. So uh, um, moving, trying to sell a house and moving from Mississippi and our kids will be starting a new school. Um, we, we have, we're gonna be looking for a new church, you know, and that was one thing that was great. It's kind of also hard to leave here is we found a really, really good church. Um, it was almost kind of like, too good to be true the church we found we we're in like kind a of smaller town and we found we, we didn't know what we we're going to be in for like from a church standpoint and this church is kind of like it's called vibrant so it's, it's almost like an oasis in the middle of uh columbus mississippi where we live so just that we'll have that same you know fortune or blessing the next time around to find a, a place where we can serve um you know those are big things like the, the school your kids go to the place you go to church um big big things. so just praying for that as our family as, as we transition and uh yeah uh, like i said i've really enjoyed getting to be on here with you you know we worked together for probably five years i think it was um so always good to reconnect
0: yeah 100 yeah transitions are transitions are tough we're kind of right in the midst uh it's been three or four months for us and uh 100 let's uh let's just pray right now together all right lord uh we just thank you so much just for for this day and this is the day that you made and help us just rejoice and be glad in it Uh, Thanks so much for Steven, for um, just your hand on his life from from South Africa, um, calling him here to the States to to, uh, lead and and coach and minister uh, in the golf world. Just pray that God that you just bless his transition uh, from Mississippi back to Georgia. Um, Just pray that you just prepare the way. Just uh, get this house sold. Help them to settle with schools and churches and and everything that will come with the transition, so that he can just lead, lead strong and and hit the ground running there at Augusta. Uh, thanks for hearing our prayers and our cries, God. And we ask all this in Jesus's most precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Amen. Wow, what a
1: great conversation with uh, Coach Payne. Enjoyed the time he spent with us and and chad i i love again when he was talking about just his recruiting process and the importance of developing relationships the importance of developing trust as he was you know just praying and searching for the right athletes to represent his program
0: yeah and jim you you spent 20 20 plus years as a high school coach you know in the recruiting process did you see Did you see, uh, how could you spot that out, you know, uh, when the coach is going to be more relational versus kind of just being that car salesman?
1: Yeah. Yeah. had the privilege, you know, coaching 25 years at the high school level. and, And it's very obvious for me as I got older, you know, what coach was in it for themselves or what coach was really in it for the kids in the program. And I've learned that I, I tuned into the pronouns when, when the coach was talking and he was, you know, this is my program, my team, you know, my facilities. And I think a lot of times that coach may have not intentionally came across with a selfish motive, but I really leaned in when the coach was you know, here's our program, here's our locker room, here's, here's our philosophy. And just that, that little difference, um, man, really, uh, I took note of that earlier in my career.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Great, great insight there. And yeah, this, this episode is a blessing to have a friend, a former colleague and a guy I really look up to in in the coaching ranks uh, to come on and um, just, you know, to shout out for, for Phil Shomo too. Uh, He came on in season one for us amazing mentor to me still today and it's just cool to see kind of how a third party relationship uh can influence uh a coach and his career to, and uh to help Stephen, you know p- produce and and grow as a man and as a coach and uh and to journey with him now from mississippi state and, and now doing a great job impacting there at augusta um but Coach, we, uh, we appreciate you so much tuning in. If you could rate or review this, it would be a gift and, and a blessing to us as we're uh, trying to help use this as just a, a microphone and a ministry to touch more coaches and help them on their journey uh, to lead like Jesus. And uh, we end the, every episode uh, the same way. And we just want you to remember, and for us as well, just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.